John Brandy, a professional comedian for more than 30 years. And I'm Amanda McKinney, John's daughter for more than 30 years. Our family believes laughing is a learned behavior, and we want to teach you how we do it. So welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. Welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. My name is John. If you're listening, your name is Carl, and you are our beloved neighbor, to my left or to my right, you have no idea of knowing. <laughs> you have no way to tell. Directly in front of me. On the MomCast, we all introduced ourselves by color of microphone, which is even less helpful for Carl. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, not, it's not necessarily less helpful, but it's certainly not more helpful. <laughs> on the green mic, John yeah. Branion. And on the purple mic, the peaches, uh, a.k.a. Amanda. Okay, I have... On no mic at all, but lurking in the background. I have a piece of Cammie mail. Cammie Joe McKinney. I have a piece of mail. I was just letting Carl know that that, that Cammy's there in the was house. somebody else in the room. All right, say something. Taking Cammie. after her father. Hello. <laughs> she's she's ninjaing in the background. Hello. Lucky. I asked her to say something, and she basically did a mic check. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, okay, so here's the mail that we got. Okay. You're not going to play your little sound effect. I'm really distracted today. Why? Because it's weird. It's Sunday afternoon. We're trying to squeeze in half of a podcast between now mm-hmm. and when it's time to go pick up the pizza. Right. So I'm. I'm so do you at have to clock. go pick it up? You might go get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. Well, then you can carry on without me. Do I have to be on this podcast? Mm-hmm, probably. <laughs> probably better. Okay, let's do this. You know what? This is all your mail. There you go. That's it. It's all your mail. Finished hardy har hard. Oh. So this is a person who has finished my book. Right. Life is hardy, hard, hard. I can now add a third. He's talking about rules, I I believe. I can now add a third. He says, you should never study how uh, baloney, laws, or comedy is made. Oh, did it ruin comedy for you, Carl? That's the impression I'm getting. Yeah, that's well, I I don't think so. I, I responded to him that this could be the that quote could be on the jacket of my book cover. Yeah, but uh, but that's one of the things that I talk about in the he's book. He's comparing it. You, he's comparing your book to watching nasty baloney get made. Right. Yeah, watch baloney get or laws or right. Uh, the 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 unpleasant nature of watching laws be constructed and so how is that not a disappointing outcome how is that a positive review at all well i think he's uh he's finished the book and now he can add one other thing i've given him an insight now right now now baloney and laws and comedy are things that you shouldn't watch be made you can't go back carl you took the red pill you went down the rabbit hole it's done yeah I did warn about that in the, very, in the opening chapters of the book. I said, it's going to change the way you think and you yeah. won't be able to go back. Yeah, but the good so. news is that you you will go through like a cycle. Call it a grief cycle if you want. Should we? Where reading, like, reading my book sends people through the grief cycle? It makes them think of baloney. But yeah, that <laughs> like it's not always this bad. You might go through a series of like remorse or maybe anger at John or maybe <laughs> sadness, mourning. Right. But... You will also hit acceptance, and then later on, 
You'll be glad. You'll be glad you did it. Theoretically. Right now, right now, yes, you're sad, but you'll you'll be glad later. Um, that's the only piece of mail I have. Speaking of sad, look at Cammie's face. Oh, and now she's smiling. Now she's happy. She was just staring off kind of in a melancholy way. Uh, say something, Cammie. Hello. You already said that. <laughs> Try something else. I sprung that on her to see if she'd have something else pop in your mouth. All right, one more time. Something else. <laughs> Look at her doing comedy. <laughs> All right, so I clipped out a a quote from a, a group that I was that I'm a part of online, and this person was asking. It's a church group of some sort of ministerial something or other, and uh, the guy asks. Does anybody have some good doctrinally sound video-based small group studies you can recommend? We are a small congregation that has a primarily senior adult congregation, but we're now having a growth spurt among younger adults and families. I want to feed that energy and keep the growth going. And they want to start meeting and asking and asking me for resources. I believe it's R asking me. Mm-hmm. So many of the video-based series I've found are from speakers who are not restoration movement preachers and who teach a different doctrine. Okay. So uh, the, the I think I said this to you earlier. I don't know if you've seen it. You did. And, and I was just going to remark, this is probably the second or third thing that you've sent me this week that I'm like, Why are you sending me this? Why are you such a curmudgeon this week? I don't understand why things are... Well, why am I a curmudgeon? Okay, Bothering you. Okay, articulate why I sent this to you. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand why... It seems you're extra critical this week of questions. I wasn't being critical. In fact, I specifically said that. So I said, I'm I'm not being critical of the desire to, quote, feed the energy and keep the growth going. I'm not being critical of that. Mm-hmm. Only a jerk would be critical of enthusiasm. Right. Um, but what I'm curious about is the the panic or the, the I guess, the, the request for some good, all caps, doctrinally sound video-based small group material. Um, because what are they, what's currently on offer was my question. Now, if, if, oh my gosh, we're having a growth spurt of young people, so uh, how do we basically do ministry to young people? How, it's a doctrinally sound resource. Right. And it's like, do you, you don't have doctrinally sound resources now, so you, you're experiencing growth in the church. And so red alert, everybody, we need doctrinally sound resources because we've got young families in our church. That was why I... I, I think it's just a matter of helping the guy understand that needing videos, you know, media or promo material mm-hmm. is like a tw- 20 years ago kind of thing. Like right. you don't have to appeal to the young people with videos. You can what actually do the young kids like. Tell me what the young kids you like. You can actually make your own. Like if you've got a bunch of people in the church who are mature Christians, which ideally you do, if you've been together a long time and you're only just now starting to get some new people involved, ideally there's some depth to the rest of the congregation and you can just videotape them doing a lesson. You know, do you have some elders um, in the church who would be willing to do a, you know, 
15 minute talk of some kind and you can record it yourself doctrinally sound yeah well it agrees with whatever doctrine is going on in the church presumably (coughs) again because you've been teaching them you know but people have a hard time thinking outside the box they think oh it has to be produced pause this for a second because i'm gonna die of choke choke. okay i'm much better now you don't Uh, sound dead no well i was i was on the verge i was on the cusp you know i should i could see the light and I walked the other direction. I should have just kept it going. You told me to pause, but I should have kept it going because you t- asked me if you were needed for the podcast, and that would have been an excellent test to demonstrate whether or not to you answer could have come. the question. Well, it was either I was I panicked. I, I felt, you know, I got that tickle that wasn't going away no matter how much I coughed, and so I panicked and I said, "Hey, you got to shut it off." And you I next time, just, just yell, "Keep going, keep going," and then keep going, run from the table. <laughs> And keep going. <laughs> and Cammy can scoot over. Cammy will take your spot. <laughs> and go, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> Something else. Just keep the po- <laughs> keep the podcast going. <laughs> anyway, I was saying, uh-huh. it's possible that they have a lot of resources. They just need to have their uh, resources opened up to them, like to have them realize the resources they have in the older generation. There are a lot of young people, quote unquote, who are actually seeking out churches with smaller congregations of an older, wiser, more mature, you know, demographic. That was my other question. Is that true? Yeah. There are a lot of young people who are leaving the church altogether, but there are those right. that are going out now to try to find something worth believing in again, something worth being loyal to they're tired of the church shopping culture they know it's a thing they don't want to be part of it they they're tired of you know being sold they're tired of the marketing christianity where everybody's trying to impress them with their super cool programming and so yeah they're actually on in search for a community that is more like a family and family interesting family i do not believe you okay I'm not saying it's thousands of people, but the oh. problem is that for years now, we've been judging the success of a church program based on how many thousands of people it draws. And right. I think that it would be wise to go in search of a certain type of Christian disciple, namely a mature one, instead of just numbers of very shallow, immature Christians. Well, true, but I, I the reason that the... Uh the, the reason that I thought the quote was interesting and I wanted to talk about it, aside from the fact that I'm a curmudgeon, apparently, mm-hmm. is that there is a... It, it seems to lack the insight that you just articulated, that what, what are people looking for when they come to a church? And it is, I agree with you, a very old school idea to think, well, they're looking for sound doctrine. And that's the reason that they're coming no, here. No, no, no. They looking, are looking, looking for, for sound, sound doctrine. doctrine. Right, but sound doctrine in in the in the form of a um, of a of a family in the, the form of a place where they can come and and interact with people who have the truth. Um, maybe I'm not saying this correctly, but <laughs> but Carl the, can't see my face. That the how uh, would you describe my face right now? Puzzled, <laughs> quizzical. Cammy, make you're, a, cu- a puzzled not, face. You're not nodding along like, with me, so that makes... Cammy's helping me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep doing visual jokes on our podcast. That's a good idea. Uh, it, it's 
the idea that people are, um, I, I guess I'm going back to the same thing that I started with. What are you doing now? If it's not doctrinally sound, what are you? It, he didn't say it wasn't doing? doctrinally sound. He did not say that his church is not already offering doctrinally sound. So he's looking, sound. he's looking for doctrinally sound material that will relate to younger people. He's looking for material outside of his own church because nobody's ever empowered him to make his own. We're consumers rather than creators right. in church too often. This is America in general. We go off to public education, government schools, and we learn how to right how to so, do what other so people tell us why is he asking for it because he doesn't know that he can make it he nobody's told him hey here's an idea Instead, right no no i get that but you just said he's not saying that what they're currently doing is not doctrinally sound and i'm like well then if he's what they're doing is doctrinally sound why don't they just do that because it needs bells and whistles it needs to be produced it needs to be outsourced it needs it's better in our minds, if you can go and get it from somebody else who's got like music attached to it and cool shots, wide angles and close-ups. And right. Like he, and, and he's doing that because he thinks that will appeal to these young families that are coming. It's not just young families. He thinks that that appeals to everybody. He, he thinks that his way of doing something, home-cooked meals are not as tasty as fast food. You know, he's thinking, he hasn't learned how to see the benefit of what he already has right in his own backyard or at his own table. It's it's the same reason that people thought that we were crazy for doing this podcast with a handheld recorder for four years. It's like, well, you can't do that. That's not a podcast. You know, podcasts involve... Who thought we were crazy? Who are those people? A lot of people. Tech people. Producers. People who make nice stuff. You're <laughs> like... You need. People who have superior podcasts. You've to got ours. dryer noise. Like right now, my dryer is spinning out. I'm gonna, or my washer is spinning out. I'm gonna go pause it real quick. Mm-hmm. Ta- Cammy, take over. Okay, so Tabby, Cammy, no. So the peaches just got up and left the room after we talked about how I was the one that was going to get up and leave, and she was going to go without me, and then she left me. I, I think that that we are not. Uh, communicating the same thing because what I was what I was trying to suggest is that if this person is this person has already doing church in some manner and and you're you're saying that what they're doing currently is inadequate it needs to be it's the same thing it needs to be revved up it's the same thing parents do when they don't know how to homeschool Mm -hmm. it's the same thing Somebody give me resources for homeschooling. Right. Somebody help me know how to do it correctly. All they need is for a person to say, however you do it, it is correct if you have the right big picture philosophy. Right. That's it. In their if mind. It's doctrinally sound. It's the same reason people come to you and say, how did you learn how to do comedy? Right. They want a book. They want a video. And I have such a book. Yes, but (laughs) that's just because people kept asking. They kept demanding it. The truth is you don't need a video with doctrinally sound comedy tips. Mm -hmm. You know, you Mm -hmm. just need to do it. And people don't know how to do it themselves. They think it lends credibility and it lends authenticity Mm -hmm. to their, whatever their endeavor is. If it comes from someone else. If it comes else, from another source. If it comes from themselves, right. it's not so, as good. So basically, if it's been produced by somebody, then the then it's better than anything that you're going to produce right. on your and own. And they don't think, they don't actually think that. They've just never 
thought about it at all. Like if you were to articulate that to them. Right. So are because you saying. Because a guy like me has never clipped it out and talked about it on his podcast. It's, it's so much simpler than what you're trying to make it. It's though. not. I, I'm, I understand what you're saying. But and, but and I also understand what he's saying. Right. He's, he's without, without question and without thinking about it, as you're saying. Right. He's just assuming, oh, we need a source outside of ourselves right, in order to be doctrinally sound. That. But at the same time, <laughs> no, he's but not. Because he's he is uh, he's also critical of some of those other things because they're not from our right. You know, church. There aren't brotherhood. We, we do not have a culture that that encourages creators. We do not have a culture anywhere in churches or in the government education or anywhere that teaches people how to do it for themselves, ever. Nobody tells them it's okay, not just okay, but actually preferable that you make your own stuff. Make your own video. Make right. your own Bible study lesson plans. They go, I can't do that. I don't have a doctorate. Right. They go, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the authority for one reason or another. Right. Parents, would you suggest homeschooling do the same thing? Right. All of them go, well, where do I find curriculum? Right. All of them. It's an average, like normal response to here's a problem we need to solve it obviously somewhere there's an expert who can right help us solve that we problem. have a, we have a bunch of young families that are coming to our church our church right and we are not equipped to give them what they need right. we need another but source. they don't think that they're they if you were to ask them so are you saying that you're not equipped that that would be a light bulb moment they would actually probably go no i'm not saying that we're not they just haven't thought about it. It's as simple as just getting them to think, which is what I do with parents all the time. You know, oh, I need to homeschool, but I can't. There's no way that I could ever. And I ask them, what is homeschooling? And they usually go, well, I don't know. I've never done it. And it's right. like, precisely. You've already convinced yourself you can't do it, but really you don't even know what that well, would mean. Isn't, isn't the sentiment a uh, also the reason that people within the church – uh, recommend other sources when there's a family problem? Yeah. Well, they say, well, you need to go to an expert. They you do all the time. Pa pastors will say, well, we have this issue in our church. I'm not going to give you specifics, but we've got a problem. There's a family struggling. Do you have resources right. or recommendations for, for, for counseling services? Or, or troubled youth or right. disobedient children right. or what, what sources do you have? Where can we send them? Because that's what they think their job is. And, and it's like this, again, it's not just in the church. Like, teachers are doing this now. They go to school for four or more years, and they get put in a classroom somewhere. And their whole job is to just try to put parents and kids together with somebody who's an even higher-ranking expert than they are. Or Luke, my husband, works in healthcare, And it occurred to him last year during the COVID thing that it's just one giant game of telephone. It's just this machine right. where people from on high somewhere, upstream, they don't even know exactly where, pass down these, me these right. messages. But it's, it starts <laughs> somewhere, and, yeah. and a thinking person is going to say, well, how do I know that this information that's being passed down to me is any good? Right. Just, be, just because it comes from a source outside of myself right. doesn't but, make it valid. But the sources from on high have never passed down the message that says, hey, people, you should think for yourself. So they don't know. That's why you have to write a book or make a video and give it to this guy that tells him, hey, the make sources, your own content. The sources never pass down the message, hey, you should question sources. Right, exactly. You have to create this really authoritative, like, official-sounding video. You should doubt video. what I'm telling you. Yeah, which is the whole point of your book 
Like right. I was like, people keep demanding a source or an authority. You're going to have to be that authority for them. Right. <laughs> uh, well, I'm maybe that's the reason that I clipped out this quote because it's so contrary to the sort of thing that I would ever post. I would never, I would never write a thing like that. Hey, somebody tell me how to relate Resources. with these young families that are coming into our church. I would, it would never occur to me to go to a Facebook group and post into a bunch of strangers. Hey, right. give me some resources. I'm, I don't know Never? what to do with all of these. I bet I can think of a situation where you would actually, like, okay, your car buying saga, buying and fixing cars. You're asking for resources and for support and for information on that because right. you know you're not a car guy. Right. Hang on, just a moment. But it would be. Hey, kids, stop running through here. It would be. Yeah, but if this is your first time, Carl, there's always a bunch of kids here around our kitchen table with us. And so we're sorry if that distracts you, but this is our life. And we've if we waited until it was a perfect condition to podcast, then you would never hear this podcast. Well, and they're not being bad, except that now I've said don't run through here. So the next right. time it happens, so now they'll be disobedient I'm going to if be they required to jump up and right. they're just playing straighten it out. Um, so it, it, to your analogy though, it would be akin to me actually owning a mechanic shop and then, uh, and then saying, oh my gosh, somebody is coming to me because somebody's coming into my shop for car advice. Well, it's so like what owning, sort of sources no, no. can you point me towards? No, no. it's yes, like it owning a, a mechanic shop that deals in classic cars and right. somebody brings in a newer model, like your new Prius that has required multiple multiple uh garage trips and right uh, but to your garage tinkering because sessions. we have we have an expert source in the family right i know that's what i'm saying and there are a lot of people who think oh well i'm gonna need to bring my car to the mckinney's next time then i'm gonna need to bring my car over to john's house because he knows where to go to get it fixed right and and i'm that saying that would be true if it was a prius right Right, and what I'm saying is people need to be empowered to start creating experts in their own communities instead of thinking everybody's going to be able to come. I only have a two-car garage. We can't fix everybody's car. We can't car. fix everybody's car, Carl. Yeah, and and even though we're your neighbor and you're welcome over anytime, mm -hmm. uh, it's much easier to you know have a conversation over To the find air. a mechanic in your hometown. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it was, it's easier for us to all talk about stuff together than for us all to fix our cars at the same time. <laughs> yes. Some things are easier to do in groups. Yes. But, well, I, yeah. I appreciate your analogy, and it's true as far as it goes, but there is a, I, I think mine's better. Um, if, you've okay. got a, if you've got a church <laughs> that's functioning as a, as a church is supposed to function and they're now they're getting inundated or spurted <laughs> with the um. uh, with new younger families um i just wonder I, I i just wonder why they're uneasy why they don't why they don't feel empowered to because nobody's ever told them they could nope no authority uh -oh. has told them that they have the authority what's matter? To Silas. educate their own people. Silas is having a crisis. Emery said he's what? sad about something. He's, I don't he, he's so sad. This is always the best. When his lip sticks out and he and you can't make out what yeah, he's he saying. Yeah, he doesn't even really have a complaint except just general. Just general sadness. angst. Sadness. Sadness. I'm very sad about 
having brothers and sisters. And then off he goes. He really just wants somebody to listen to him complain for a few seconds. Yeah, he seems and then to he be okay now. It was Emery something. If you maybe when I'm listening to the playback, probably when I'm uploading this, you'll know. Oh, that's what he was I'll talking about. I'll listen to it and I'll be like, oh, that's what he said. I know what he was talking about. And it apparently doesn't matter. All right. So, uh, do I have to go get pizza? Yeah, All it's right. supposed to be ready in like ten minutes. So it's ready in ten minutes. It'll take me. It only take me six minutes to drive over there, so we can. Here's Colin. Colin, where are we going this afternoon? To the school. To, to the, the park. School? No, no, I mean park. <laughs> Not the park that we live next to the park. door, Brian. Not the park we live next door to, but a special park we actually have to drive to. All right, so we're still trying to record. So go find something else to do. Audience, please say good words to me. Well, I wanted to. <laughs> Did you even hear that? No. Audience, please say good well to me. <laughs> say good well to Colin. <laughs> he wants everyone to feel. I think he wants people to feel happy for him because he gets to go to the park today. Yeah, he's kind of jazzed about that. Yeah. All right, well, as I get ready to go and pick up this uh, pizza, I want to tell you. That, uh, that I want to I want to connect this to your uh, tomato in the toaster. Oh, that story. was that was a Colin story, right? I want to attach it to that. So I'm going to go get pizza. You can hit you can hit uh, pause. Oh, and, we're pausing, and you're yeah, going to tie this we'll in later. About, unless you want me to leave, and you just finish up this podcast. <laughs> I'll take me. us home. We're only yeah. about halfway. We're halfway done. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to go ahead and land the plane. <laughs> no, I think I'll just pause. Everybody sit down, fast your seatbelt. <laughs> Peaches is going to bring us in for a landing. Just, I'll pause. <laughs> so I want you to explain to Carl about the tomato and the toaster. Okay. And, and then I will draw a perfect parallel to okay. what we were talking about. I feel bad, like, just not giving Carl the information that pizza has been eaten. Time has passed. He didn't recognize, he didn't realize that we were a pot. He has no idea that we've lived the, we, we've uh, been through time. We have experienced time. Full disclosure, Carl, it has been more than a half of a second. We're full of pizza. There, I feel better now. Yeah, okay. I just don't like keeping secrets from Carl. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can trust us, Carl. If we ever stop and eat lunch, you will be the first to know. <laughs> We won't, we won't cover up something <laughs> so, that important. So, so if it sounds like, you know, they don't sound as hungry as they did a second ago. <laughs> you are intuitive. They, they, sound, they sound sated. You are correct. That's right. Very astute. In your judgment. Very yeah. astute, Carl. Anyway, oh, there's baby screaming. But don't worry. There's, a, there's adults out there. <laughs> Lots of people of here. It's Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's chaos. It's bedlam here. And so we're going to get the rest of this podcast recorded because I want to hear about the tomatoes and the toaster so I can make my excellent application. Okay. So um, it's been a little while. It's been like a week. And my <laughs> seven-year-old Colin, Colin's the one who was like, hey, give me a good well or whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Is that what he said? Yeah, everybody give me, or the audience give me a good well just a few minutes <laughs> that ago. Was that was Colin. That was like Colinism. He's, our, he's very thoughtful and, uh, yeah. and, and a, he's a curious little guy. He's my philosopher. Yeah, he's a philosopher. Um, so Colin comes to me with his furrowed brows and he says, um, I accidentally dropped a tomato in the toaster. <laughs> accidentally. And I said, what? <laughs> Why was there a tomato near the toaster? He goes, I was just trying to see if I could get it hot, and <laughs> I dropped it in there. And I was like, Colin. <laughs> That's a cherry tomato. So yeah. if, you're, if you're picturing like a full-size beefsteak tomato, 
<laughs> that's that's the wrong picture. He would have had to jam that in. Right. There. He would have made a huge mess. This but one it was, could feasibly have just slipped out of his fingers and fallen down in the slat. But but I was like, Colin, you can actually like, you know, hurt the toaster that way. It's electrical. And mm-hmm. if you get moisture down in there, it's really bad for the coils. And right. he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so I go in the kitchen. So uh, did you did you uh, ask the the unanswerable question. Did you ask him why he did that? I did. I said, did why you? is there a tomato in the toaster? And he said, I was trying to get it hot. Okay. Then I didn't bother asking. Then you, okay. Why. That was my question because yeah. a lot of times mothers will go, well, why would you do that? And boys literally have no answer. <laughs> I didn't need to know. Yeah. I, I figured he thought it would be cool to warm it up. That's and and it. I remember being, I remember being a boy. I was one myself. I remember doing things. And then after I had done them, even if my, mother never discovered it even if it was something that that you know didn't necessarily get me in trouble i remember coming back later and seeing it and going why did i do that thing what what right. you know and when i was in the middle of doing it it didn't seem it didn't seem dumb or like a bad idea at all but right. then it was after time passed and i went back and reconsidered it well, so boys can act without thinking he instantly regretted it and he yeah. came straight to me confessed and I was just like, ugh. I mean, I honestly, I obviously wasn't amused, but at the same time, I didn't lay into him. I was just like, okay. And so we go in the kitchen, and I have to tip the toaster upside down to shake it to get it to come back out, and it got crumbs everywhere. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, Colin, I hope you learned a lesson. We don't put tomatoes in the toaster. And I said, now we've got all these crumbs everywhere, and I'm going to need you to get out the vacuum and clean it up. And he goes, Okay. Which quickly, yes, he quickly agreed. And to if that. you know Colin, usually you give him a chore to do, and he falls to the ground and wails. <laughs> he flops like a fish and cries. It's time to do school, Colin. Yeah. He's very bad about complaining and disobeying and not doing things until he's thrown a big fit about it. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, Okay. And I could tell from his eagerness that he really felt good about being able to do something to fix what he knew was a very stupid choice he had made right before. Right. And so he got out the vacuum. He sweeped up all the crumbs <laughs> on the on the counter and on the floor. And then I said to him, after he's done, he turns off the vacuum and I looked at him and I shook his hand and okay. I said, Colin, thank you for confessing quickly and thank you for cleaning it up to make it right. And he didn't say anything, but he just looked at me nodded very seriously and marched back out into the gave, living room. Gave one solemn nod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he'd have been wearing a hat, he would have tipped it. It was so cute. I mean, he really did. I thought he might get embarrassed because sometimes if you like compliment him or you say something like respectful toward him, he gets a little weird. Right. And and I thought he'd kind of make a face or grin a little bit. He didn't. I mean, he was very serious. Very serious. Very uh, grown up. Yes. And uh, and he goes, yep I, I, yep, I think your insight is what I wanted to talk about, though. The fact that he actually seemed somewhat relieved yeah. that there was something he, he could, could do, do. Yep. to make amends. Yep. Penance. Yeah. 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 He was like, man, I feel kind of useless standing right here while my mom's fishing the tomato out of the toaster <laughs> that's there because I put it there. I wish there was something I could do to alleviate this feeling so after that came, I might not even be able to describe. After it came tumbling out of the toaster, I was like, and guess who's going to clean it up? And he's like, yes, I'm on it. And off he went to get the, <laughs> to get the vacuum. vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, can, it, you can relate to that though, can't you? I mean, has, haven't there been things that you've that you've done that uh, the opportunity arises to, quote unquote, fix it? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm so glad that I can not only say that I have regrets, but say that I'm sorry. I can actually do something to sort of, uh, to sort of pay my my debt. Here, come over here and say that into the microphone. Emmy's here now, and her hair is. Mommy, one piece of chocolate. May you have one piece of chocolate. Is Daddy in the kitchen? If Daddy gives you one piece of chocolate, you may have it. Okay. She and she gives a solemn she nod, did the nod too. and out she goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what I the reason that I thought that that story was. Uh, was germane the reason i thought it applied to today's topic was different from what we've just talked about and that is that um there is no way to prepare in advance for what your procedure is going to be when a cherry tomato is inserted in your toaster (laughs) what right i mean there's not a there's not a curriculum that i'm aware of for removing (laughs) citrus fruit from for how to handle appliances. it as a parent, you mean? Right. Yeah. As a, as the quote unquote leader of the of the household, and I mean that you're the leader over the children. Right. Um, as the person who's in charge, uh, the person with authority, that you there's no there's no published material. There's no DVD that right. is doctrinally sound. Right. Um, on, oh, callback to like. However long ago it's been since we were talking. Yeah, well, about it's been not as much time for Carl as it's been for us. Yeah, it was several hours ago. Now. Right, and so, but it, there's no doctrinally sound DVD for how to address. We've got a bunch of kids now that are showing up and they're putting tomatoes in toasters. Right. So, where do we go to find a procedure to find curriculum on how to properly educate them right. on the correct? Right. No, I think the only I think the only thing you can do is just spend a lot of time with a person who's been parenting for a while and learn from them. I had a teacher at the daycare. I worked at a daycare for kids with special needs, but also it was an inclusive classroom, so there were kids who were typically developing as well. Right. And before I had kids of my own, that was So you where had special I, needs kids and an ordinary uh, I don't want to say ordinary, but you had yeah. non-special needs. Basically kids. the way that I just said it is the only politically correct way you're able to is say it? it. Yeah, kids with special needs or typically developing kids. Typically developing least, kids. That was the jargon 15 years ago. It may have changed since then. Typically developing kids and yeah. then kids with special needs they, mixed together. They say together. neurodiverse now for a lot of kids who are not typically developing. Neurodiverse. Neurodiverse. Anyway, I worked with them and I had a teacher who had been in the classroom for probably 12 years before I got there. He was He had his degree in early childhood development and... Um, had been teaching at various preschools for a long time. And some of the stuff he said or did just seemed a little bit quirky when I first started. But, you know, by the time I was done teaching there three years later, it was just part of what was in my back pocket too. I just knew, you know, when a kid starts melting down, this is how we talk about it. Or if they can't be talked to, you move them over to the side till they're done and, right. you know, all of that. And so this is stuff that you sort of absorbed because yeah. you were in the environment? You have to pick it up by watching other people. Right. So there was, uh, so let me ask, was there at any point a DVD or a series no. that you went through? Film strips? Slides? No. Uh, no. 
chalk drawings. Okay, but you did 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 I send you that video? I know I sent it. Did you watch the video where uh, Doug Wilson and um, Ben Merkel were talking about rules for parents having fewer rules for kids? I didn't watch that video, but I heard he and his wife, Nancy, talking about that. On Having a different, fewer rules? Yes. They, they talked about how they reduced the number of rules right. in their household because that right. is better than having a million tiny yes. little micromanagement rules. It was so encouraging yesterday because I do feel sometimes, even with all of my experience, I feel a sense of guilt that my kids come up with new ways to get in trouble that I uh -huh. had not thought of warning them against. Right. It's I can't like, think of everything to tell you not I to do. I can't punish them for this, can I? Like, I didn't tell them that they shouldn't I didn't put tell them cherry shouldn't tomatoes in the toaster. Put cherry tomatoes in the toaster. Right. And so I think to myself, like, oh, I have to have a conversation first and then I can punish it later. But no, uh, what Doug Wilson was saying was if you have the, the rules be general enough and broad enough that you want to encourage your kids to think about what those rules mean. You want them to start making inferences from your rules. From your broad rules. What else should fall under that category? Right. You make a broad category and hope that the child will begin the process of going, okay, this right. here's the category is what I'm about to do in the category right. of forbidden. Right. And here's the thing. Just this morning, it's Sunday. So just this morning, Emery was in Sunday school. She's five. And Miss Kirsty, her Sunday school teacher, told me this. Emery was in rare form this morning. I'm like, well, Kirsty, I'll be honest. I'm glad it was you and not me for an hour. And she laughed. <laughs> Wait, was she in rare form for Emmy or no, was, was she in pretty, typical form? It was for, pretty common for Emmy. Pretty common promise. Emmy behavior. And okay. I was just like, Kirsty, I trust you. Whatever you got to do, whip her into shape. You Emmy, know? Emmy's like the female version of Dennis the Menace. She's so naughty. And this morning, yeah. Kirsty was like, Emery, stop playing with those cabinets. No, no, sorry. I already said it wrong. Emery, stop playing with that cabinet. You know where I'm going with this. Yep. So two so seconds Emmy moves later, to another cabinet. Emery's opening the cabinet next to it, and right. Kirsty says, Emery, I just told you not to touch that cabinet. And Emery goes, oh, this one too? And yeah. said it just like that. Right, because you said the other cabinet. Yeah. You didn't say anything about this cabinet yeah. that is three inches away from that other cabinet. Yep, and I was like, okay, she's going to be six this year mm -hmm. she's smart and i'm yep. going to raise her like a smart kid i'm going to raise her like she's intelligent and like her brain is capable of making these inferences right based on what she knows to be true that also means this thing over here must be true too right and it's actually offensive and a little bit condescending toward her as a human being if you pretend like she doesn't know she any doesn't better. know yeah she's not she bless her heart she doesn't know that that means all the cabinets are <laughs> off limits. She's too stupid. And it's like, she no, just doesn't know. I'm raising a smart, independent child. I want her to be a rational human being when she's an adult. I'm not going to patronize her, or I guess matronize her. I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the appropriate <laughs> verb is when it's me as a woman doing it. But it's like, uh, yeah, let's make up a word. Raise the standard on that you know, little menace, raise the standard and, and she will rise to it. I believe that she will. I know beyond all doubt that well, she, I know will. she will. I, as you were telling that story, I remember several, uh, several instances that were similar from my own childhood. Yep. I've got little, I remember, I don't remember long bits of my childhood, but I remember little flashes of my childhood. And I remember my mother, um, 
All I remember is my mother saying, yes, I know what I said, but you know what I meant. I remember her saying right. that. When right. I was really little, you know what I meant. And I did know what she meant. I can't remember what the <laughs> circumstance was. I don't remember what I had done. By golly, she was right. I don't remember what I did, but I remember my mother and she was angry. Her, her brow was furrowed and she was pointing at me and she said, but you know what I meant. Yeah. And I, she was right. I yep. did know. Yesterday, Emery and Silas, Luke and I were outside pulling weeds and all the kids were outside too. And they were out for several hours. Eventually they sneaked in the, in the house when we weren't looking and I didn't bother to go in and get them. So my bad, but also their bad because by the time I did make it in the house, five-year-old and three-year-old had taken the apple juice and the milk out of the fridge. They got all the measuring cups out, several teaspoons and other apparatuses. And potions. And yeah, we're mixing the apple juice in the middle. What is it with Emmy and apple juice? Because I came in a few days ago and there was a puddle on your kitchen floor mm-hmm. and and the apple juice was sitting in the middle of it. And Emmy was standing right there and I said, did you get the apple juice out? She goes, uh-huh. Right. And it was like, right. it was like not even a thing. It's and, like there's a huge puddle is, here. I yeah. know, like I have said specifically, do not take the apple juice out of the refrigerator what without I, asking. What I said to her is, I would imagine that your mother has probably told you not yep. to spill the apple juice on the floor. I've, I've never heard her say it, but I know your mom well enough to know that she's probably not going to be okay with this. Right. She's been told to stay out of the refrigerator. But yeah. But what some parents might think or might kind of struggle with, and understandably so, they might go, okay, but I've never said anything about the milk specifically. Right. And there's orange juice in there. There's (laughs) bottles of water in there. There's. uh, Do we have to list all of them in order for us to be able to discipline? And the answer, Carl, is no. No. All you have to do is say to the child one time, you know, the refrigerator stay out of the is fridge. off limits. And yeah. if they come in and and start digging around in the pantry then, then you can say, "Okay, also the pantry, but you know that and you're in trouble now." Then, well, or you broaden it. It's like yeah. you don't go into the kitchen and get food, you know. Right. And but, then that well, but the point is you don't have to wait to discipline after you've said You don't have to wait to be more specific yes. first. <laughs> after you've said everything you can think of. Right. No to. Because that's making more rules, you know, coming up with more and more don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't right. I think the example they used in the video was don't jump on the couch cushions in the living room and also don't take them out on the front porch and jump on them out there. Right. Like and you don't, don't have to say and that. don't jump on the bed and don't learning yeah. how to read the spirit of the law is just as important as the letter of versus the law. versus the letter of the law. Right. So, right. Well, and that is, those are, I think what we're talking about when we are talking about leadership. Well, at least if, if that's not what we're talking about, that's what I want to talk about now as we wrap up that, there is a uh, a dearth. Is that the proper word when there's when something is lacking? Isn't that like the name of a song played at a funeral? That's oh, that's a dirge. dirge. <laughs> I thought of it right as I was don't, saying it. Don't, don't check out on me I now. I was serious. I don't, was like, I'm I don't, pretty sure. I can't handle. <laughs> I, if if you don't know the meaning of words, then we're in trouble. I thought of it. It was just a little late. There is a uh, there there are there's a shortage. Is what I mean to say. If that's not what dearth means, no, then... No, I thought dearth would be like a plethora, like a lot. Well, a plethora would be a plethora. Mm, okay, go on while I stop uh, listening and look up dearth. The dearth, it, there's there's a shortage of people... You have to wait. ...who, uh, who, oh, yeah, are, it's who are willing... It's what? It's, it's a lack, lack of? Dearth. Hey, good for me. D-E-A-R-T-H, dearth. Good for me. There's a shortage of people 
who are willing to make a decision and then implement that decision without the quote unquote okay from some sort of external source. Right. And in the church and in parenting, um, that's, that's kind of a bad thing. I right. think we need to be more willing to, uh, to, to come up with our rules, stick right. by our rules, enforce those rules, and then encourage other people to uh, mature along with us because that's what you're doing with your kids. You're, they're, they're maturing when they start coming up with their own rules, right. basically. You well, set a category, and then they start filling in the specific right. rules I'm empowering for themselves. Them, I'm empowering them to, again, be smart, to be independent, to think on their own. Right. And rather than that stifling them in any way, it's actually opening up the world to them. They are now prepared to go forth and teach others how to be smart and independent thinkers sure. and, and leaders sure. because I want them to be, I want them to be leaders, but first they have to learn how to lead themselves. themselves. They right. have to get control of their own flesh first. And they can't do that. If the only thing they ever think about is taking me literally at what I say all the time, just right. robotically doing yes and no what I say. And, and to bring it around just to go to the final the final obvious statement, if you've got young people showing up at your church and you're now going, oh my goodness, we have young people here. These are a different generation. How do we reach these people? How do we disciple these people? How do we give these people what they need? Um, you should have some uh, freedom to, to go, okay, well, what, what do they need and how do I uh, provide that? How, right. do I, how, do I, how do I teach these young families how to get tomatoes out of the toaster? Right. Well, and, why don't you ask them? I mean, yeah. maybe they will. Yeah, maybe they will want to make their own videos. I mean, maybe they'll want to. That's probably a story for another day. I'm going to push. The, <laughs> I'm going to push the outro music and just. Her finger's been hovering over the button for a couple of minutes here now, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to keep talking or what. You can what, talk for you know ten ten seconds. Ten more seconds. I um, was just I was just going to say my kids want to be YouTubers, and they've been using their tablets to record themselves doing like the most mundane things on right. the planet. But hopefully someday they will be content creators and not just content consumers. Right, so. and we should all be that. We should all once we achieve a certain level of maturity when we're not absolute infants anymore then we should be content creators in, yep. in christianity we should be able to express our our faith in some manner that is uh that's that's helpful and edifying to other members of the body right yeah 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 let's just go with that get your own tomato out of the toaster carl bye <laughs>